Right here on Reality Radio 101. And now, right to your geeks, Andrew Young and Mr. Green. It was the suit that got us the gig. It was the tear that got us the girl. Welcome to Geek Card. I'm your sheep in this wolf's clothing, Andrew Young. And with me, as always, is the picture that he's holding, Mr. Green. Welcome to the show. Um, yeah, okay. Did you get much sleep or anything? You you seem like you're uh, like in low gear there. No, if you want, if you you want to find out the answer, you got to go deep into the annals and journals of mid '90s Canadian alt rock. The answers will be found there. <laughs> well, we got a great show for you tonight. Later on the program, we're talking to uh, Masha Listek, one of the stars of the sci-fi film Simulant, which uh, had a brief Canadian theatrical run, but is going to be available digitally on May the 5th, uh, North America-wide. And uh, we're going to be talking with her about the film later on tonight. We've also got a review coming your way of the new movie Sisu. Very simple premise. Ex-Finnish soldier finds gold. Nazis steal gold from him. He must kill Nazis. Simple. Yeah. But we'll get more into it later on in the program. And, of course, in just a few minutes, you're going to get to hear uh, our first interview of the night that I got to interview Chris Gore, who some might know as the founder of Film Threat Magazine. He's also written the Ultimate Film Festival Survival Guide. I have a copy of that. But what he's probably best known for is he was a correspondent on Attack of the Show, which, if you don't know what Attack of the Show is, basically it is the show that if I had not seen it back in the the aughts, I would not have come up with Geek Heart. That's just, it is, it was a inspiration for me. Uh, it was the show that talked about all the stuff you cared about. Well, Chris will be on to talk about his new documentary, Attack of the Dock, which tells the story of G4 television and Attack of the Show. And so we're going to get to hear that interview in just a few minutes. But before we do that, my friends, we're going to take a moment. We're going to pause. And we're going to let you know about some great T-shirts you can buy right here. Gay Card, Reality Radio 101. everybody jimmy the short order cook here asking you what's better than listening to geek Heart? answer listen to geek Heart while wearing a geek Heart t-shirt and there's a place you can get them at tpublic.com slash user slash geek we got a bunch of great shirts there we got geek Heart shirts we got a mr green's tasty meat shirt hell we got a back issue bloodbath shirt for all your geek needs with your geek merch, 
you want to go to tpublic.com slash user slash geekart. I'm not just asking you. I'm telling you. Welcome back to Key Card right here on Reality Radio 101. And now back to your geeks, Andrew Young and Mr. Green. Welcome back to Key Card, friends, on a fabulous Friday night. Andrew Young and Mr. Green here. In just a moment, you're going to hear my interview with... Director Chris Gore, who directed the documentary Attack of the Dock. Uh, you're going to hear about the documentary that's all about Attack of the Show, which is available now on digital platforms to check out. It's available on VOD. Just go to attackofthedock.com to find out where you can, uh, where you can watch it. Uh, but before we do that, just want to let you guys know that if you're like, man, I crave more geek hard in my life. Well, the best place to find more Geekard is patreon.com slash Geekard, where you find more Geekard. We got a lot of Geekard there. We got Extra Hard, a series of episodes where Mr. Green and a special guest talk about a movie or a TV show or an actor or director. Or a combination of all those things into one, like a big, like transformer type thing, and uh, they tell their true thoughts about it. A bunch of episodes there. We've also got the January Men pilot, which is uh, one of our film retrospective shows that uh, we're trying out. I think we'll be doing another episode soon for the Patreon subscribers, and a bunch of other great stuff, including early access to podcasts. So you can find it all at Patreon.com. Slash Geekart. So go there. Join us. Become a Join part of us. become a part of what we're not legally allowed to call a cult. Join us. You uh you, you got some asthma problems there, Green? You okay? Join us. What was that? Join us. I think you might need a lozenge. <laughs> well, we're going to get into the show right now. Uh, just last week, I got a chance to talk with Film Threat Magazine's Chris Gore, who is also the director of Attack the Dock, the new documentary on the history of Attack of the Show, which ran from the early 2000s. Originally, there was a show called The Screensavers. Then it morphed into Attack of the Show on G4 Tech TV and became like the cool place for nerds to hang out and kind of was the birth of nerd comedy into the mainstream. And uh, so, as I said, it's a show that really had a, I had a thing for it. It really inspired me and actually was one of the, is one of the reasons why I started Geek Heart. So uh, give it a listen right now. This is my interview with Chris Gore. Please welcome to the program, Chris Gore. Chris, it's great <laughs> to see you sitting here with you. Attack the Dock. It's going to be available through Indie Rights, VOD, and digital platforms 
on April 24th, the 21st anniversary of the launch of G4. I know this doc has been like a long time coming. Of course, there was an audience wanting to know about the history of Attack of the Show. Was it the, the, the fact that fans were coming up to you asking, whatever happened to Attack of the Show that made you want to do this doc? Yeah, the the sort of spawn of Attack of the Dock, I was at South by Southwest Film Festival in 2017. And for the 10,000th time, somebody just asked me, whatever happened to G4 TV and Attack of the Show? Whatever happened to that show? And I was always recognized at like nerd conventions or film festivals, like whatever happened to the show? I thought someone should make a documentary about that. I'll do it. We started shooting in March of 2020. A little unlucky with that. All I can say is we faced challenges when we were making the film, trying to make a documentary during the pandemic. That was one thing. And then, you know, secondly, G4 decided to relaunch and yeah. it re the, the relaunch didn't really take. It wasn't successful. That's a whole other story. But I, I think we were able to pull off telling the story of G4 TV, the history, uh, a little bit of reflection on pop culture, kind of where we are now, as opposed to where we were then, and offered uh, kind of the greatest hits of Attack of the Show, which I'm shocked and amazed how many people still appreciate and love the show. And I was just happy to be a, a small part of it. Yeah, because that's the one thing I did notice about the doc is that you hit a lot of, let's just say, cultural touchstones throughout the history of Attack of the Show, the things that the fans remember. That was just like tip of the iceberg, of course, because of the hours upon hours of footage of comedy and nerd stuff and all that. How did you choose what moments went in? Oh, my God. We had hundreds of hours of footage. We actually spent a year going through all the footage and cataloging it. It was a process. It was one of those, like, what were the ones that people vaguely remember? And then let's tell the story behind it. Like the famous McHammer incident mm, with yeah. Olivia Munn. Olivia's reading teleprompter and she just reads it phonetically, right? So she read McHammer. Well, it was supposed to be MC Hammer. MC Hammer, yeah. And Olivia, both Kevin and Olivia were great at this. They just had such a great sense of humor about themselves. And that's what I think made their chemistry work. I don't think anybody, myself included, took themselves on the show too seriously. I don't think you could work in that environment and take yourself too seriously. But Olivia in particular, if she could turn it into a joke, make it about her or make it about Kevin or make it about me, it didn't matter. She was going to go with it. Then it turned into a bit the next day where they brought out a rapper who played McHammer throwing around McDonald's. It was ridiculous and fun. So, yeah, but choosing it was tough. And you know, creating that library, which kind of led to, because of the pandemic, we decided to make what you would describe as an archival documentary. Mm -hmm. So 90% of the documentary is previously aired footage. And then 10% is stuff that we shot new. That gives it like a feel like I wanted people, especially with the opening of the movie to remember the early 2000s. It's not that long ago, but wow, is what a completely different world the early yeah, 2000s yeah. was. <laughs> and one of the crazy things that I'm really glad made it into the dock was the Cholula incident. Yes. Oh my God. I remember watching that oh. and watching them go shot for shot, drinking the hot sauce and then seeing the aftermath of that, not only in the episode with Olivia having to tag out to Allison to do like the second half of the show, but yeah. also the next couple of days, them kind of giving updates of what happened after <laughs> recording. Were you on set the day of the Cholula incident? 
I was not on set for that, but boy, did I hear it. And that was, was so great about Kevin and Olivia. They would just tell you what happened. Yeah. They would spew a truth. Uh, they were both on the toilet. I mean, honestly, they were both on the toilet dealing with, with basically when you're drinking almost an entire bottle of hot sauce, I think that's going to be the result. So yeah, no, that was crazy. But that's what was also cool about the show. If the show went perfectly and followed the script, it was fun. And if something went wrong, it was also fun. They made it go off the rails. And I think that's what made it so appealing. Yeah, no, definitely. You never knew what was going to happen on the show. And not just with, of course, Kevin and Olivia, but with all the correspondents, including yourself. And you did put it in the doc, which, you know, I love the fact that you can laugh at yourself as well. Of course, you were uh, doing one of the video segments at the video store. Oh, right. And you went for the, the karate kick to the uh, the camera, went right down hard on your ass. Like that, it looked painful. Okay. To give a little bit more background, we don't go into it too much in the doc, but like we did this segment called Asian Underground uh, with yeah. a guy named Jeff Wong. I love Jeff. We get together, we go to this video store, we talk about like Asian cinema, uh, you know, hard to find movies on DVD. And we tell you about these movies. Well, they had me like, hey, do, do a high kick at the beginning of the show. Now, by the way, I've got this thick mic pack in my back pocket, along with my phone in my back pocket. And I'm trying to do a high kick and my jeans are already too tight. I lost my footing and smacked right down on that mic pack. And they're thick, right? And, and my phone, which I thought I had broken. And I just with sort of had the presence of mind to like, okay, don't swear, keep going. And all I could say was, ow, my jeans. <laughs> it's the most ridiculous statement looking back. It's like, I should have said, ow, my ass. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, you know, ow, my jeans just sort of spewed out of my mouth. Maybe the movie does get a little overly sentimental because I was there. And I did try to like, while I am in the doc, I kind of bookend it. it. The doc is not about me. It's really about that show. It's also about the fans of the show and the culture, how it's changed. And also on a, a deeper thematic level, although not in sort of luxury, pushy way, you know, we discuss like, hey, there's a lot of things that were done on that show you literally cannot do on television anymore. When I look at the doc, I'm like, yeah, first of all, I can't believe we did that stuff. But if anything happened like that on TV today, they would just come after you. I mean, stuff was happening on Attack of the Show every day that was cancelable. Stuff that I said. And even looking back at the footage, I'm like, oh, wow. Can't believe I got away with saying that. Well, that's cool. Because one of the things I found out that I could do, I could mispronounce swear words. So I was dealing with Keith, who was our standards and practices lawyer. And I was always trying to thread the needle of what I could get away with. And I said, hey, can I say that this film director, Joel Schumacher, is a total shithid? Can I say shithid? He said, oh, yeah, you can just mispronounce a swear word. So I was constantly mispronouncing swear words. I was swearing in ASL, American Sign Language. <laughs> and I would do things like this, which means BS. It means bullshit. BS. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I can say bullshit. You, yeah. Okay, you, good. Well, I would just say bullshit. And I knew I couldn't say bullshit on the show, but I could say bullshit in ASL. And I was always like, I was just for fun learning some ASL. And I'm like, American Sign Language. Oh, that'll be fun. I'll do a little message before they come to me and we're, we're like on mic. I'll do like a little quick thing just for anyone that's paying attention, which was a lot of fun that they let me get away with it. Yeah, that's awesome. But you do bring up the fact that talking about the, the humor and how comedy has changed and what you can and can't say. Yeah. With the things that like Attack of the Show did in its time, some of the stuff 
yeah, could be rightfully canceled in today's culture. But some of the things, stuff that might be held up for cancellation is still not that bad. No, not not for me. I mean, I grew up watching like classic SNL, uh, listening to comedians like George Carlin and Richard Pryor and Cheech and Chong. I love Cheech and Chong as a kid. You know, that was dangerous comedy. You'd sit around and listen to that album. So I grew up around dangerous comedy. So yeah. Attack of the Show, while it was the least money I ever made in television. It's the best experience I ever had because it was the only time I was really able to be myself on camera and get away with stuff that was crazy. And it was Kevin and Olivia, Olivia were always like upping the bar. What they did whenever I would do one of those DVD Tuesday segments, they were always making it difficult for me. And what I mean is they did it in a good way where they would challenge me and whatnot. And I, I miss that. I miss that kind of freedom and just seeing them flourish and seeing the show even grow, you know, like G4 TV launched on April 24th, 2002 and wasn't quite sure what, what its identity was. What were they trying to do? They're trying to target gamers, but they're trying to target geek culture and geek culture wasn't cool at that time. Mm. It grew into that nerd culture became mainstream and Marvel movies helped that along. Of course, right. You can buy, you know, Iron Man t-shirts and Star Wars t-shirts at Target. But previous to that, you had to search and find that stuff. And so Attack of the Show and G4 kind of tracked at the same time the, the mainstreaming of nerd culture. Yeah, and so, you can even see it in the history, you know, going from screensavers into Attack of the Show. It right? was the same show, but not the same show. You know, like, took mm -hmm. a, it became a bit edgier, became a bit more interactive and not so much of a presentation as it was. Yeah, like as a fan, really loved it. And in this, in the doc, you did an interesting framing, you had Zach Selwyn come in and play songs <laughs> between the chapters to kind of take us to the next chapter. When did yeah. that idea come into play? That was one of the first I did, you know, coming up with the idea, I, I laid out a scriptment. You need a roadmap when you're making a documentary. There's not a script per se, but I had like an intro and outro and then you know, there was always Zach Selwyn was intended to be like a Greek chorus, right? Mm. Sort of like through song telling you something about the history of the network. We actually recorded 10, 12 songs for the movie and about eight of them made it into the movie. But actually there is an original soundtrack that's going to be released on Spotify and other listening platforms free on April 24th. So it's the score by Austin Smith and then Zach Selwyn. But that was right from the beginning. And I just gave Zach like these general topics like Kevin Pura leaves G4 or, you know, uh, Tech TV and G4 merged. He turned that into his song. Yeah. And I've known Zach like, God, since before G4, he did a show where he was a commentator on like a dodgeball show. And I was on the show called The X Show at FX Network. So we met at the FX Network in like the late 90s. And I always loved hanging out with Zach. Super fun to hang out with. Always like he's the guy you hang out with at a party. He could with his guitar make up a song about anything. You literally throw keywords or he'll just rant on what's happening in front of him. I've seen him. do. He's, he's like a master. So he came up with these songs and then we filmed them kind of in all these different locations. We went to the old G4 offices where we filmed outside of that, you know, as we got closer to the end of the shoot and God, he just knocked it out of the park. So we thought like, well, this is so good. We should just release a soundtrack. I, not a lot of, documentary films have soundtracks released yeah. 
but I thought this was like, let's just release it. A lot of the music is fun and the stuff with Zach and plus the songs that we ended up not using in the doc will be on that soundtrack. But that was an idea from the very beginning. The other challenge was while we collected all this footage and we even had behind the scenes footage that was shot by a guy named Christopher Flynn, who worked in tech in the, in the studio when the show was live, he was great. He provided all this footage, but still we didn't have footage of things that happened that were kind of key historic events. So I contacted the people who owned the platform Second Life. Second Life was probably the first metaverse. Yeah. Design yourself as a character, go to different worlds. So we recreated things that we didn't have footage of in Second Life with lookalikes like myself and whatnot. And we built a digital version of the original set from Attack of the Show. It's in Second Life. And when the Blu-ray comes out, there's going to be an Easter egg with a link. You can go into Second Life. You can go visit the set of Attack of the Show. Oh, my God. Second Life. And, and there's a lot. The movie comes out on April 24th. The Blu-ray comes out in July. We'll we'll have it at San Diego Comic-Con. Okay. There are, just as someone who's a DVD fan, I'm making it not just for fans of G4 and Attack of the Show. I'm making this DVD for fans of DVDs. Yeah. So there's tons of Easter eggs and everything you would expect to be on a special edition DVD, but we're putting just some crazy stuff in there, including like, go visit the set as your avatar and just go to the set of Attack of the Show. It's, that's it's, that's it's pretty cool. awesome. That is cool. And yeah, again, yeah. I I do appreciate the fact that uh, you're still a special features guy. You're still a physical media guy in that sense, because I am my as well. And DV Tuesday was always a fun segment for me because while I did keep up on what was coming out, there was always one or two releases that slipped through the cracks for me. And you were the guy that always, you know, put them out there. So I knew, oh, okay, I got to check that out as well. So, yeah, really enjoyed DV Tuesday. Now, of course, there was always like the uh, the rapid fire at the end. Yes. Recommending. Was there any point where, it, like, I knew there was a couple of points where you'd slip up a bit, but was there anyone that you just got fully off the rails and couldn't maybe get out, like, any of your suggestions? Well, my intention was always to go off the rails. They would always give me, like, you have 40 seconds, 40 yeah. seconds. And, I mean, it was fun, but also part of what I wanted to do, because I would cover whatever the major release was. Okay, the new Transformers movie's out on Blu-ray. I have to talk about it. I have to, because it's a big release. Yeah. I'll go through all the extras, but I always was tra always trying to sneak in something weird, like yeah, a yeah. David Lynch movie you'd never heard of or some trauma film or something from full moon entertainment, you know, like a new puppet master movie. It was always like, here's something weird or a movie by Kaveh Zahidi, a, a renowned indie filmmaker that most people haven't heard of. So I was always sneaking something in that was a little strange in addition to, you know, your big, big studio release for that week. Mm, yeah, so, yeah. Well, yeah. I always appreciated that, definitely. As, Thank as you. A, as a cinephile, really loved that. Now, of course, you mentioned earlier that while you were putting together this doc, G4 relaunched. Yeah. And also, unfortunately, went away. Yeah. And you do uh, cover it at the end of the doc. Was mm -hmm. that like a late game decision to be like, okay, we should actually talk about this? Yeah. In fact, we were almost done with the doc and then they, you know, we're going to relaunch and we're like, okay, well, what is this going to be? Is it going to be a reunion? And I thought, well, maybe that's a great way to end the doc. Mm -hmm. It'll end with the reunion of everyone who was on attack of the show in the doc, like at a, a, at this reunion. Well, it didn't go that way. No. Um, the reunion was shot with 
still COVID restrictions in place. So I, I wasn't able to participate as were many others. I always joked, I said, you should bring back all the old people from Attack of the Show, the original people, and just kill them off one by one, just like the Star Wars sequels, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Bring me back like Han Solo, kill me with like a lightsaber through the chest, you know, or fade away like Luke Skywalker at the end of The Last Jedi. It didn't quite go that way. I think the network was going for something different, more modern and updated. I don't mm. think that that's what the original audience wanted necessarily. So there was a bit of a disconnect. And in addition to like the fact that YouTube had kind of actually taken the place of G4, you know, original yeah, yeah. creators, just talking about nerd stuff they're passionate about. I have no formal training in television. You know, I learned on the fly, like walk up to this piece of tape, look at the camera, pretend you're not reading the teleprompter stuff and then go off into your opinion. I learned how to do TV on TV. Mm. I'm not telling you I'm any good at it even to this day, but I can tell you what my opinion is off the top of my head. I need no preparation for that. I don't think anyone that's passionate about something needs prep for that. And that's everyone you see on YouTube. If you have a YouTube channel, you're talking about comic books, movies, video games, tech, whatever. You better have a passion about it because authenticity, I think, is what made Attack of the Show so popular. And that's what I think the secret sauce is of YouTube. YouTube's secret sauce and what makes creators there so popular, authenticity. That is what it is. And I think I tried to touch on everything I just said in the doc while also being entertaining. So the 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 new G4, while it did throw a wrinkle, I didn't want to focus on it because one, I wasn't there, right? Like I wasn't a part of it. That's their story to tell. Truthfully, they didn't get a lot of time to fail. No, and by that, I mean, G4 launched in 2002, April 24th. You know, they had years, years to work things out. In fact, Attack of the Show and G4 didn't get good For about five years, then it was like really good, right? But it took five years. They didn't even have for the new G4, even one year, not one year to like get it together. So I really think that if they had been given the time, it just would have been much better. They would have been able to actually kind of come into their own. So I feel bad the way it ended. And I hope that the documentary will preserve some of the legacy of the network, remind people why they liked G4 to begin with. And leans into a little bit of like, we're living in such a weird divisive culture right now, not just politically, but even across like pop culture. Like, I don't care. I don't care if you dislike a movie that I love. Like, you're not trying to yuck my yum, so to speak. You know, it's fine. So, and I miss those days of like, oh, you love this. I love this too. You don't like this. Why don't you like that? Oh, I never thought of that. Like, I love the nerd conversation. Yeah. And I'd love to get back to those days when we were less divided, even about like movies, like who cares? I want to thank you for talking with me today, Chris. Really enjoyed the doc. I commend you for putting together such a beautiful like time capsule of kind of the birth of nerd comedy to the mainstream, in my opinion. And that's kind of what Attack of the Show was. And uh, I also commend you, sir, for continuing for years, maintaining that signature quaff. Oh, well, thank you. It's, I can't do it any other way. I, I just sleep on a wet head after oh, yeah. I shower at night. And this is, uh, who needs product? Just there let you your go. hair just stick up. What can you do? There but you Andrew, go. thank you. Thank you so much for just taking the time and uh, telling your audience about, about the documentary. You can just go to Attack of the Doc, that's D-O-C dot com, or just follow us on social media, Attack of the Doc, to check it out. I, I hope people enjoy it. All right. Have a great day, man. You too, man. Thanks a lot. Thanks. And so as Chris just said, you can go to attackofthedoc.com.
Com. Find out where you can view the uh, the documentary, which is available to watch digitally now. So there you go. Uh, we're going to take a commercial break. When we come back, we'll be talking about Sisu. Uh, and of course, if you want to send us your review of Sisu or just say, hey, email us at geekcardshow at gmail.com. We'll read your email on the air. This is Geek Card, Reality Radio 101. Remember when you used to go to the comic shop and browse through the stacks, picking up comic after comic, talking to your fellow customers and the store owner about what books you should buy? What kind of outside people daywalker nonsense are you talking about? I don't go outside. Well, thank goodness for Back Issue Bloodbath with Andrew Young and Petula Neal. When we talk about comics old and new. Mostly old. But sometimes new. Every Wednesday, new episodes drop at geekartshow.com or wherever you catch your pots. Check it out and have yourself a good. Welcome back to Geek Card. Right here on Reality Radio 101. And now, right to your geeks, Andrew Young and Mr. Green. Welcome back to Geek Card, friends. Andrew Young and Mr. Green here. We're going to be talking about some movies right now. And of course, if you want to let us know what you think about this movie, Sisu, or... Any other movie, in fact, or anything else you got on your mind, you can email us at geekardshow at gmail.com, and uh, we will read your email live on the air. But right now, we're going to get into Sisu, written and directed by Yalmeri Halander, produced by Stage 6 Films and Sub-Zero Film Entertainment, and distributed by Lionsgate. Here to read the synopsis is our good friend Jimmy the Short Order Cook. Hey, hey, how's it going there, Green? It's going, it's going. Yeah, that's good, that's all right. Yeah, so the Sisu film, went and checked it out. Badass. Yeah. Badass, like, my God, you know, like I go I go see any film where they kill Nazis. That's just, that's that's a rule I live by, you know? So I Solid ran out, rule. yeah, I ran out and saw this, and uh, yeah, it's, it's fucking good. When an ex-soldier who discovers gold in Lapland in the Lapland wilderness tries to take the loot into the city, Nazi soldiers led by a brutal SS officer battle him. His synopsis doesn't leaves out the part where he fucks the Nazis up. That should well, be in the press release. Well, they don't want to give away the whole movie. Well, the, the question then becomes how? How does he fuck them up? You know. That's what I was like. Hey, how does he do it? So there you go. So, uh, yeah, you got my vote of approval. Find out what these shitheads think. See you later. There you go. 
All right. Shitheads. Yeah. We're, we're a couple of shitheads. We're a couple of shitheads. Yeah. That's right. Sorry. You're right. Yes. Shitheads. <laughs> shitheads. Thankfully, we don't have standards and practices to worry about. Definitely. Oh, my God. So, yes. Oh, man. If we did, we'd be in yeah. a lot of trouble. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. So, Sisu uh, by Finnish director Yalmari Helander. Uh, it's, uh, it's a film that really doesn't need words. In fact, its main character has very few words. Yeah, that's uh, that's a mild understatement. Uh, I think, uh, actually, yeah, no, I think he totally blows away Kurt Russell for Soldier. Yeah, but um, he has a lot more to do than Kurt Russell did in that film. Like, so where, yeah. while he doesn't speak, there's a lot of physical activity for uh, Atami, definitely. Yeah, well, there's a there's a lot in Soldier too. Like, not that's not that's uh, not diminish that part, but this it's a totally. In some ways, it reminds me of that film, but only okay. in the sense of the, you know, the who this character is, no, right? Totally. Like and, an aged an aged guy, and just you know, don't don't mess with them. Yeah, don't fuck with an old soldier. Definitely, we got an email in from John T. who says, "Writing in again, geeks." Love it. 100%. Now I can go for some street meat. There, there we go. go. There we go. Everybody seems to think that uh, Jimmy just cooks like hot dogs and stuff, but uh, he's like, he like cooks ribs and that could still, like depending that. on where it's cooked and how it's cooked, it still could be considered street meat. If it's meat on a street, it's street meat. I think he's indoors. It sounds like he's indoors whenever he calls us. It does, but you never know. Yeah, well, thank you for the email, John. But uh, yeah, getting back into Sisu, um, the whole idea is that he just wanted to have this one character that doesn't speak, that basically has to like hunker down and kick some ass because he wanted to have something that was like an 80s, 90s action film. Mm -hmm. But even though taking place as a period piece, be more of a modern uh, take on that. Yeah, no, 100%. And, and and I know you'll totally get where I'm about what I'm about to say is uh if this hadn't been at TIFF last year, this would have totally been at After Dark. This is like oh, yeah. right up their alley. Uh the kind of film that they would you would see at a, at a festival like that or a Fantasia. Which I think it was at Fantasia. Um this movie uh is it, it was what I okay, so right off the top, one of the things I loved about it was the uh, visual aesthetic of the film and how they tried to capture a very specific kind of like feeling with the title cards mm. and uh, how that gets us through uh, what's going on. Right. Yeah, Very and, spaghetti and, Western style. Yeah. And, and what I love too, is that I didn't notice it in the first couple, but I, I started, I noticed, it, I think it was on card three when I started to notice that, each card subsequently gets worse and worse mm -hmm. in, in just like a Tommy, right? Cause it's like shit gets real and it gets bloody, you know, pretty quick and people get broken. Yeah. Uh, and it's pretty rough. And uh, so, you know, watching like seeing the trailer got me hooked at, right away. Anyway. So I was just like, but what really surprised me was I thought it was going to be more over the top. Okay. Like it is over the top 
in its in its in its way. But this but is I, more man man made grit as opposed to explosion or like like oh he takes a knife and carves out you know half of his skull or anything like that. Yeah, it's, yeah, like I just like that's what I mean. Yeah, you like thought it was going to be cartoon, almost cartoon level violence because the way the trailer works, it kind of makes it feel that way. Now, like again. I'm not trying to mislead anybody who watches this. It's, a lot of the violence is very cartoony. It is very out there. It's yeah. not like the normal, uh, what any one of us would think would happen in a combat situation of any level. Mm-hmm. Um, even if it's, you know, one-on-one or one-on-thirty or whatever, right? Like it's, there is that element to it, that kind of fantastical element. But um, it would, like I said, I'm like I'm saying is though, is I did find that it was more grounded than I was expecting based off of that, that initial trailer that I saw. And I kind of like the line that uh, Hollander is, 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 is kind of treading with this film is, you know, like between that kind of like over the top craziness, but still kind of giving us this really down to earth, dirty, uh, gritty war film. And it, it just works. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Like, again, one of his favorite films is uh, first blood. Mm-hmm. Like Rambo, he loves that yeah. film. A clear and, influence here, yeah. And he he was raised on the Sergio Leone spaghetti westerns. Yep. And you can see both of those influences mm-hmm. within the story. We got an email in from Grant S. who says, "Green is right about the street mate. <laughs> Sisu is very good. A ten for a rating. Hey to the old man. Oh, somebody, somebody talking about me? Yeah, yeah. Hold on. Andrew, good interview with Chris. Thank you, Grant." Now you can talk. Hey, good to see you, Grant. Well, I can't see you, but I can feel you in my heart. Heart, they're a great band. Have you listened to any Heart? Oh, my God, that band's amazing. Long time ago, bud. Long time oh, ago. God, they're, they're pretty amazing. You know that uh, one of those, one of them Heart girls is uh, married to Cameron Crowe? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a director. Yeah, he is. Made some films. This is true, too. Yeah, I've been on a couple of sets. Not his sets, but I've been on a couple of movie sets. No doubt, no doubt. Uh, then they made the talkies, and I was like, oh, it's totally different. I don't think I could be on the set anymore. So, That's fair. All right, all right, I guess I'll go. Yeah. Yeah, all right, man. There he goes. Oh, man, but uh, but yeah, no, definitely, definitely leaning into those classic styles and leaning into his influences. Uh, a lot of great camera work in this. And Atami, what I find really interesting about the lead character, and Yorma Tamila does a great job with the character, is that he does what's right, but that's not really his goal at first. He really would be like, if you just leave me alone, mm-hmm. I will go about my business. I just want to get the fuck out of here and do mm-hmm. my thing. Yeah. But they fuck with him. And so he has to put them down and in doing so helps out some people and does the right thing. Yeah, no, totally. And and like for anybody who uh, has already watched the film or is even thinking about this film, um, one of the things you may stumble across is the fact that this is uh, partly inspired by a, uh, a true historical character, a Finnish sniper, um, it, but that's that's about it. That he was Finnish, and he was in World War II, and he has a super high kill count. Yeah, 
but that's about it. Like, yeah, like, it was like, what if we take that guy and put him into this story? Yeah. Yeah. Cause like uh, the realities of the, the characters are completely different in that regard. I, I looked a little bit into uh, Simo who, uh, who the Finnish sol- uh, soldier um, and he, you know, who was referred to as white death, which may or may not be a true fact. You know, it's one of those things, mm. you know, it's actually, which I found interesting. The more I read about, about the, the guy that it's loosely based off of as an inspiration, uh, the more I realize that this film is just as apocryphal as the real history. Like it just, it doesn't matter. You know what I mean? Like sometimes you just need uh, a symbol. And that was something like in this, where they talk about Sisu and like what it means. Like it's a Finnish word. that's untranslatable in English. Um, and, you know, that was really cool. And then the whole, of course, the whole like Koshai thing, which is, you know, I just, I love, I love when you get stuff like that, you know? Yeah. Now I just want to get something clear. Like, again, we're not jumping to the, the end part or anything like that, but you, re- you like this film, right? Hell yeah. Yeah. Okay. So this next email is kind of surprising for me. Kelly T long time listener. She writes listening and writing it again. I agree with green. The film was so, so a six. Okay. I don't think green said that, but thank you, Kelly. Uh, also she says, or they say the old man for PM. Well, there you go. Yeah. They're uh, right in ballot right there. PPM. Like the prime minister. Is that that what we're saying here? Well, it's either that or afternoon. It's one of the two. Oh, well, you know, I I can do both. uh, (laughs) You know, the last time I was like the lead of something, you know, last time I had, I was ahead of my tribe back in, Oh, we're going back centuries here. You know, we were up in the north. It was nice. Had some pelts. It's good. Got cold up there. You had to wear the pelts, you know? Well, it's that's what happens in the north. Yeah. yeah. It's cold. So maybe I could bring back pelts. There, there you go. We don't wear enough pelts anymore. That's right. We should wear some pelts. Yeah. We can make, you know what? We can find a way to make vegan pelts. There you go. That's my goal. There you go. There's a platform for you. If you elect me, I'll make vegan pelts. Okay, I don't think that's possible. Huh? Well, no one asked you. I'm going to go now. I think I might have hurt his feelings with that. Right. Uh, you might have. You do know, It's hard to say. Hard to say. But yeah, no. So Sisu, though, just balls to the wall fun. I think that uh, fans of John Wick will like this film. Just on the sheer like hey not as flashy as a john wick kind of a gritty cousin sort of deal but yeah i think it, you still enjoy it yeah no no totally this is uh this fits right into one of the subgenres of film that i am a big big fan of and that's man on a mission um and uh i really thought you were gonna say man with a dog yeah well there's that too <laughs> um and films like that are you know especially when you know when you see them you know, the characters going through the shit and then making it out the other side in whichever version of the other side is acceptable uh, to the story. It's, 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 it's a lot of fun to watch. Right. And uh, this film for, for the level of, I guess, Uber violence, I guess a little bit of the old ultra violence uh, that takes place in this. um, It's still like really fun to watch. You yeah, know? definitely. So are you saying see it in theaters, wait for rental or streaming, or skip it all together? 
No, man, I'm saying check it out. This is actually, this is a go see this and check it out. Uh, which, however you can, whether it's in the theaters, if you can't make it or it's not local, it's streaming when it's available. You check it out. Definitely. 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 I think you should see it on the theaters. It's a big gritty film. It's badass. And mm-hmm. uh, next week you're actually going to hear an interview I did with Yelmary Hellender about the movie. So uh, check it out in the meantime. So you know what the director's talking about. We're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we'll be talking to Masha Lizdek about Simulant right here, Geek Card, on Reality Radio 101. Want to advertise on Geekard and be heard by thousands of listeners? It's easy. It's simple. It's fun. Email us at geekardshow at gmail.com for information on our advertising packages today. Welcome back to Geek Card right here on Reality Radio 101. Feels like I'm dreaming. And now back to your geeks, Andrew Young and Mr. Green. Welcome back to Geek Card, and it's time for our final interview of the evening. And uh, this is going to be a fun one. Our guest tonight is an actor who. Uh, is one of the stars of the new sci-fi film Simulant. It had a two-week theatrical run here in Canada, but on May 5th, it's going to be available digitally, North America-wide. Please welcome to the program, Masha Lizdek. Hello, hello. Hello. It's good to have you on the show tonight. Uh, Of course, uh, Simulant, as I was mentioning just a minute ago on the show had a short theatrical run here in Canada, but on May 5th, it's going to be available for everybody to check out Uh, for people that haven't had a chance to check it out yet. What's the film all about? Oh my gosh. Okay. Uh, Directed by April Mullen. Fantastic. She made this feature. It's sci-fi thriller with a little bit of romance. It's got a lot of action, maybe a little bit of comedy. And it follows the story of these, it follows two stories that are somewhat intertwined with each other. There's there's a romance story about loss and grief. And at the same time, there's an action-packed story um, about, about Sims. And uh, what it's like to live in a world of simulants, both service androids and simulants that you replace um, your family members with. Yeah, yeah. And uh, in the film, you play Lisa, the land-based interior service android. Is this your first acronym part? (laughs) I suppose it is. So in this, like, again, uh, you know, people that may have seen you in other things might not recognize you in this film. That's safe to say, correct? That is correct. (laughs) 
because you are acting under a heavy amount of prosthetics there. And I've seen the videos on your Instagram of them applying it and everything. And I just, I just wonder, does that help with the performance of playing like a, a artificial intelligence or does it hinder it? I think it, I think it helps. Absolutely. I mean, it, it, it hinders your emotion to emote <laughs> and, um, the amount of prosthetics that you are under, it restrains you from doing anything crazy. So your, your body language is very robotic and, and your posture has, you know, certain movements in, in which you can't really bend. So that really worked to my advantage. Yeah. And I've heard you compare it to getting injected with tons of Botox. <laughs> Yeah, yes, that is correct. <laughs> um so how how long were you in the chair for this? So, you know, like how like cuz I like I we always hear like horror stories for actors, you know, especially in 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 films where they're wearing heavy prosthetics that it could take, you know, many hours. Like I'm just so I'm curious how long were you in the chair as they as they uh, applied all of your prosthetics? It it wasn't that long. It you know, I say 4 hours. But it just it went by really quickly with some good company and great music. And, you know, near the end of production, we whittled it down to maybe three and a half. But mind you, I had like two to three hands on me. Set of hands. Right. <laughs> <laughs> just, where did this third hand come from? What the hell? <laughs> That is a very special makeup effects artist that they have three hands. That's amazing. That's oh, right. Yeah. I, that would be helpful. You know, I, that I think would that be would be helpful. Yeah. They should make the, they should create a, like a, we're talking about AI and everything, a yeah. robotic attachment, extra hand specifically for the applying of, of SFX makeup. I think, yeah. uh, I think it would really help. They have it in certain workshops. I remember when I studied like metal smithing in university, they would have this tool called third hand and it would just hold anything that you needed. Oh, wow. And then it would also relay information to her from somebody else. <laughs> third hand. Yeah. Yes. So, <laughs> so I, I just need to go back to that. So I'm actually, you, you were doing metal smithing. I was. Yeah. Yeah. I really? Material arts and design in, in OCAD University, and I studied plastics, bronze, foundry, mold making, metal smithing, wood shop, you name it. Wow, wow. that that's not that I'm kind of just surprising only because you know, like you don't. It's not something you would necessarily always associate with somebody who's who's an actor. You know, like that's this is a, just a. Is that something that you still have a, a strong interest in today? I do. Yeah. I, I, um, I ended up majoring in ceramics and I, I like, I like wiring lamps. So I taught myself how to be like an electrician. And if you cast porcelain thin enough, it becomes translucent. So that's a whole other fantasy hobby of mine. But, um, this, this background of dabbling in different material arts, just made me appreciate so much the prosthetic team because I I have been on the other side and I have done lifelike casts and and mold making so it's really nice to just sit on the chair and and relax and know you're in good hands. 
Yeah, well, nice. there you go. But yeah, all of everything you just mentioned there is like you're very you're very much a Renaissance woman. <laughs> we got an email in from Ray B who writes, "Hey geeks, we just loved Masha in Murdoch Mysteries." Very cool, yeah. <laughs> Thanks for the email, Ray. Um so yeah, so with this film it's very sci-fi and I know you were you were excited to be involved in this sci-fi and stuff. And then the next film that you have coming out Boy in the Woods is very much a, like a traditional drama, you know? Yeah. Based. Yeah. It's like, so do you, 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 I'm guessing you enjoy switching it up. Like I that. do. And, and, and for the fans that loved Murdoch mysteries, I think this is like very much that I also play a Polish woman in this Holocaust film. So I bring back that thick accent. Um, and yeah, directed by Rebecca Snow. This is her first drama feature. She's best known for documentaries, um, history channel stuff. And she's just lovely. She she lives in Toronto, but she is from England. And she she met with this Holocaust survivor. His name is Maxwell Smart. He is 92, 93 today. And he wrote this book on how he survived Nazi Germany and how he hid in the woods and how he made friends and his crazy, crazy stories. And we are telling the story now through a movie. Um, Max is played by Jet Klein, amazing little actor, very, very talented and me and Richard Armitage play husband and wife living in a very small Polish farm with lots of lots of barn animals. I learned how to milk a cow. There was a pig and a chicken. And uh, yeah, we bring Max in and we help him as much as we can. But um, it's it's dangerous to hide Jews during that time yeah yeah of course yeah that's uh that's that's some uh definitely some uh heavy uh heavy material uh you know going from something like not saying that simulant isn't but in its own regard mm -hmm. but i mean like that's you know it's still science fiction it's it's it, you know we're dealing with some real world ideas but in a yes. you know a fantasy a fanciful way whereas what you're describing for boy in the woods that's uh you know very real yeah. very 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 much real and very much in our history not even that long ago really when you think no. about it yeah yeah to think that we still have survivors today is is great um I, it's it's so nice that we are able to tell these stories and it's nice that they're alive enough live still to this day to to watch these stories and i i can't imagine that feeling i also think that lots of victims from What's going on in Ukraine will be resonating from this as well. Yeah, of course. Of course. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah. So that's coming out later in 2023. And uh, hopefully I'm guessing they'll be announcing a date when it's coming out soon. I'm guessing. Yes, I hope so. I have a good feeling that it will be in Toronto Film Festival as well as mm. Montreal and, and British Columbia. I mean, don't count my word for it, but I've I've seen some of the footage and I just I have big hopes for it. OK, well, that's great. Well, we'll keep an eye out for that. Totally. Now, I've like I've, I've been doing some reading on you and I, I, 
I once heard that you've talked about you were auditioning for a role of a homeless person, so you slept <laughs> in a park the night before, and the director was really into the idea that you did that, and you guys... Oh, he didn't know. Nobody knew that. <laughs> oh, no? No, nobody... <laughs> okay. <laughs> and then, but you ended up booking the role. Is Is, like, that kind of semi-method kind of take, you know, your usual approach to uh, auditions? It is. It is a little old school, but um, yes. And and this is why I miss auditioning in person so much, because you you get to read the room and, and, and use all that nervous energy and sleep on a park bench and show up haggard and you can't you can't really get that energy from self tape in your living room, um, so I miss that. You know, just the other day I was decluttering my studio and I got a little emotional because I opened this binder and there was printed headshots with my resume on the back, and it's just such a blast from the past that you walked into the room with a headshot and resume manual in your hand ready to give it to the director, writer, a casting producer. Now everything's online. So it's not, it's not the Renaissance world. No, no, it's definitely I, not the... I, yeah. I was going to say like the, it's, it must be um, quite uh, from what you're describing, quite the difference in the, in the way things are, because like as much as we talk about technology and being so open and free and allowing people to communicate and all those great things, the world kind of after after the pandemic kind of turned into this. Now there's a lot. I, I you're not the first person that's mentioned this. That like there's a lot less in person stuff happening when it comes to auditions. Definitely, definitely. I mean, there are good things about it. If I really want to be optimistic and think on the brighter side, there are fewer cars being turned on and driven across the city for auditions. So that's better for the environment. Lots of us artist folks will find a part-time job or a side hustle to keep this passion going. Most often than not, these jobs will fire us because they catch us getting an Uber on lunchtime to make it to that audition halfway across the city. So now you have that flexibility and that luxury of self-taping on your own time. So there's pros and cons to it, definitely. Definitely, yeah. But, you know, like, basically... What everything you've talked about during this interview, like we found out that you've worked with many different types of materials. We know that you can milk a cow now. <laughs> I think, you know, you're kind of just racking up the points of like people, you should listen, this is the woman you want when the apocalypse happens to be on your team. <laughs> She's got a lot of good, like, you know, uh, talents that will help out in practical situations. Yes. Nothing, nothing related to technology or AI or any of that stuff. So I'm very exactly. so good in all apocalypses except the robot apocalypse. Everything else, we're good. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so, so then, Masha, Masha, are you taking? Uh, are you taking? Uh, uh, you know, like resumes, I guess, or, or pitches to whose team you will be willing to join? Uh, you know, if the apocalypse was to happen. And we, oh we need, gosh. you know, like, do you have that wide open? Do you have an audition process? Like, cause if that's the case, then I'll, I'll send in my tape to get you to join my team. Cause I, I totally need somebody like you. Cool. Cool. I mean, I'm also like, I love, I love stunts and stuff like that. Um, we did a lot of stunts on the handmaid's tale and anytime, like 
you know, we have some kind of weapons to use. I'm all about that, you know, and, uh, I'm, I'm kind of obsessed with zombie films and I'm, I'm recently playing a lot of these, like, you know, <laughs> zombie killing games. So I, I, I get kind of into that. All right. Well, there you go, people. This, who's going to survive? Mash yeah. is going to survive. Definitely. <laughs> That's right. With those skills. And now, and now she's working on, on her, uh, on her, uh, her combat skills through games. Yeah. It's, this is like, you're, you're really rounding out that, uh, that survival aspect. Right. Exactly. Nice. Definitely. Well, Masha, it's been a delight talking with you tonight. Of course, as I mentioned, Simulant will be available digitally on May the 5th, uh, for people to check out. And, uh, thank you so much for taking the time and talking with us this evening. Thank you so much. Um, it was so nice to meet you, Andrew and James. Nice to meet so you too. You. Have yourself a great night. Bye for now. Bye-bye. Bye. So that was Masha Lizdek. You can catch her in Simulant, which will be available digitally May 5th. Uh, so stay tuned for that. Mr. Green, we've come to the end of the program. You know what we that have... means. It's time for me to talk again. Because I haven't been doing that the whole show. That's okay. Well, you didn't do it for the first half. We had a pre-record, so. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Talk, monkey, talk. Come on. <laughs> I am not your monkey man. Uh, if you like what we do here, you can always find uh, more content, uh, as we mentioned earlier, through patreon.com slash For everybody who participates in that right now, we thank you guys ever so much. You guys are awesome. Thanks. Uh, yes, right. You just need to come and join us. Yeah, join the join team. Us. Become a geek cardigan. Put on your cardigan and become a geek cardigan. Join us. And it's not need, creepy at all. You still need a lawsuit. Yeah, I do. Uh, of course, you can find additional content through YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Pinterest. Just search Geek Heart Show on any of those platforms. You'll find us there. Of course, check out our website, geekheartshow.com for more news, reviews, and the podcast version of this very show, available on Mondays after 2 p.m. But of course, if you're super forget super forgetful like I am and mumble a lot, uh, the best way you can hear us is to do what, Andrew? Is to subscribe to us on your podcasting platform of choice. Be it the iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, wherever you catch your pods and while you're there, leave a five-star rating and review because it helps with the analytics. And of course, if you just want to continue the conversation with us, you can always email us at geekhardshow at gmail.com. I want to thank Chris Gore and Masha Lizdek for coming on the program for Chris Gore, for Attack of the Dock, for Attack of the Show, for Sisu, for Masha Lizdek, for Simulant, for The Boy in the Woods, and for Mr. Green and Yuri in the booth. This is Andrew Young saying, if you're going to geek out, well, you might as well geek hard on Reality Radio 101. Thank you for listening to Geek Hard with your hosts, Andrew Young and Mr. Green, right here on Reality Radio 101.